Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends. I'm Mike. <laughs> I'm Sam. And and yeah, we're boyfriends talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So true. We're on season one, episode 11, uh, out of sight. Out, out of mind, out of sight. Out of mind, out of sight. Yeah. Um, we're closing in on the end of season one. I know. How are you feeling, Can Sam? you even believe that we're approaching the precipice of season two? I can in some ways believe it because we've been doing this podcast for a while but i'll say the plot is not necessarily moving forward <laughs> to like ah, oh, we're almost at the end of the season what it's, do you mean angel got the codex <laughs> so such a vital piece of the episode you're right he did do that we once i saw david boreanaz's name mm. in the guest starring i was like oh okay we're back to the the vampire plots and you know what followed right after we saw david boreanaz's name Clea Duvall. Clea Duvall's name. Wow. We saw her. She was, she, her name was there, but she was not on screen. She did a lot of voiceover work in this episode. Um, yeah, but we saw her that one time. Yes. <laughs> Which is good for her. She was great. She slayed. You could tell she was going to have a long and storied Hollywood career after this episode. <laughs> yeah, I wish, I wish it was even more storied. Hey, she had that Happiest Season movie. Yeah, People well, still talk about that. Oh, we'll be getting into her IMDb deep dive. Don't <laughs> you even worry about that. Um, okay, but we are not alone this week. We are joined by an incredible guest. Uh, she writes for Inside Survivor. And she is actually one of my co-hosts over on the Bitter Drawers Podcast Network. Uh, and she's so amazing. What, what a wonderful friend of mine to have made during the pandemic. Uh, let's bring her in, Christine Palin. Woo. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for coming, Christine. How are you? Of course, I'm great. I mean, I love talking about Buffy. It's such an honor. Like, once you told me this was happening, I was like, I need to come on for every single season. Um, <laughs> you don't have to do that, but um, I'm so happy to be here. Well, the character you've decided to be the correspondent for is not introduced yet. Yes. So, but we, we'll find a way to slip Whoa. you in up until that moment. Great. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, Christine, but what, so you are, can you talk to us about your Buffy the Vampire Slayer history? What brought you to this moment with this show? Yeah, so I am a now, I did the math, I'm coming up on a 13 year fan of Buffy. Um, no, I, so I'm 26 now, but turning 27 soon. And I started watching Buffy when I was 14. Um, it was a show I was at the time on, on Tumblr, as many of us were mm -hmm. um, in the trenches. Um, I was a big fan of Supernatural first. My mom and I watched like Lost and Supernatural. Um, and then I finished Lost and like finished Supernatural. Well, like I didn't finish Supernatural, but I like got all caught up in Supernatural at, at the time. And I was like, okay, I feel like this is just time for me to watch Buffy. I had heard a lot about it. We definitely see it on Tumblr. Like I was really into like sci-fi kind of like horror stuff, like as a young teen. And so I started watching it my freshman year of high school, right before I moved to Switzerland, my dad's job, like moved us there. And so I was finished the first season, then we moved. And then I had like, I was making new friends. Like I was adjusting to life in a new country, a new school and like Buffy, I had all the DVDs. I watched them on DVD and I just like plowed through Buffy. Um, and it became an absolute obsession. I have seen every episode at least three times, some episodes upwards of like 15 times. Um, <laughs> I have, yeah, written about Buffy. I've, I've gone to conventions. I've met two, two Buffy actors, including Charisma Carpenter from, wow. uh, who plays Cordelia. I pick, um, this was in 2017. I went to a con and got to meet her. Uh, that's my brag of the episode. When this, when, you, when we post this, I'll share the picture I got with her. Whoa, um, that's so huge. And it's a show I still like absolutely adore. I have so many thoughts about it. I read, I've like definitely read a ton of academic writing on it, which is very nerdy. Um, but it's definitely a show I've like, as I've gotten older, like found more problems with it and more like, you know, have more definitely more complicated feelings about it um, than I did when I was 14. But it doesn't like, it's really something I'm able to like engage with. Even though I have those feelings, it's like, it's a coming home for me. Like, you know, it's like I was watching this random episode that's not one of my favorite episodes. It's usually just fine. But I was like, oh, it's like this felt so familiar and, and safe and like 
and, and great. So despite those complicated feelings, it's definitely still up there as um, one of the most important shows to my like development as a young person. <laughs> Christine, it feels like if you hadn't mentioned Switzerland or meeting Charisma Carpenter, you would be saying exactly what I would say in response. Yeah. To <laughs> <laughs> um, that's amazing. Uh, wait, I had a follow-up question, uh, but now I've lost it. I really should be writing little notes down to remind myself. Um, what was the the fandom for Buffy like uh, abroad? <laughs> in Switzerland? Yeah. Actually, so this is actually really funny. Buffy was really, really big in France. French people, like when it aired and then the years after, Buffy was like very, very big in France. Uh, it's, in French, it's called Buffy contre les vampires. Oh. <laughs> Buffy. Uh, um, but that was something I did learn when I was living um, living in, I was living near France and later lived in, in Paris. And I did learn that like Buffy was really big in France, um, which is just funny. I mean, maybe well, perhaps they... bigger in France than it was in, in the US, probably not, but like it was quite the phenomena. Mike, I'm sorry you won't have a high school friend group to grow closer to as you all trade the DVDs and discuss episode by episode. I guess this is kind of what you're doing here. Yeah, but... I, get, I mean, I could always reach out to my high school friend group with your DVD <laughs> sure. and yeah. say, who wants to swap these? Yeah. Although we did do that with my lost DVDs oh, nice. in high school. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. But then they would like hold on to them for so long, mm -hmm. especially over the summer break. And I'd be like, what are you doing? That's annoying. No, if, if, it, if it, for the for the the true heads would watch it all in a single week and then return it and be like, "Can I have the next season?" Exactly. <laughs> my um, uh, my story on the DVDs though. I started dating my uh, high school partner, and who's my long term partner for a long time, and who Sam is also aware of, Isabel, who did like the art for uh, Stanuatu. We started dating in high school, and I would loan them my Buffy DVDs, and they would watch, and then like put little like sticky notes in them with like notes and what they thought um and then I got them really into Buffy and we're still very good friends now even though we're no longer together so Buffy was also like the backward drop for like my first serious relationship um and getting other people I got my mom into it too I was very much like you know the Buffy dealer my mom and I also watched all of Buffy and all of Angel together Same. when I was in high school. Um, and, you know, she's one of our white whale guests. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't brought it up to her yet, but uh, I hope that someday she'll come Oh, on. that'd be great. That'd be great. I think it would be amazing. I have to think, I have to find a good, uh, you know, ma mother-daughter episode, I guess. An episode with, with Joyce. Figure, featuring Joyce to mm -hmm. bring her in for. But you mentioned um, academic writing on Buffy, and I've actually also read a lot of, like, <laughs> essays and, like, critiques and stuff like that like i owned several books of just people's essays on i Buffy. had one too i had at least one uh what a what a time but yeah it's definitely something like you said that i've grown old like i for a long time i like did like i was like in such a complicated place with it because i was like it's so there's so many bad things about it but now i'm like but it's still really good. And it's slay. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's slay, and it's so camp. Uh, and also, like, I would argue, just, like, very good television. Like, like it is, like, obviously, you have to meet it where it's at in terms of 1997 in this case and, like, kind of uh, uh, Joss Whedon's quote-unquote feminism being very much stuck in the 90s. Um, and, and it was the 90s. <laughs> and it was the 90s and in the early 2000s. But like, I, there's just some episodes of, so many episodes of my that I cannot deny are, are fantastic television yeah. and some really great character arcs and, um, you know, great season arcs, you know. I, I will, I, there's certain aspects about the I'm able to let go of like, okay, this is not the, the peak, you know, feminist art I thought it was when I was 14, but it's, it is still some really great work. Yeah, there's a reductress headline that's like, woman sets aside beliefs to enjoy Bachelor for one fucking hour. Okay, but let's get into it. This is season mm -hmm. one, episode 11, like Mike said. Uh, out of mind, out of sight. It was directed by Reza Badiyi, uh, who was a, the producer on... 281 episodes of Hawaii Five O from the 60s. Whoa, uh, an original Five Oer. Yeah, he's directed so many things. Seemingly a lot of stuff in the 80s. Uh, in prior to that, this is his only directing credit on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, yeah, it seems like he's done an amazing, amazing career. But I think he's retired now. Mm. He's um, dead. <laughs> okay, yeah. So yeah, he is retired. retired. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
uh, this episode, this okay, but this is another episode where the story was by one person, and then it was the teleplay by another person. This episode was the story by Joss Whedon. Boo, boo, as boo. we say when we come <laughs> up on the episode. Uh, but it, the teleplay was by the same people who wrote "I Robot You, Jane." Okay, um, so only bangers. They, they yeah. know what they were doing, and these are the only two episodes of Buffy that they ever worked on. Sadly, uh, they I think they did a good job. I don't know why they. This is the only ones they ever did. They, 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 they're like, we can't top Demon in the Internet and Invisible Clea Duvall. We simply cannot top this. They also, like, were really good at coming up with episode titles. Like, they really <laughs> got the point across uh, with both of them. Do you think that they came up with the story or the... Um... The, the title, or is is there a special title developer <laughs> title mm. by? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm actually not sure how titles on TV shows generally get determined. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but our IMDb deep dive for this week is obviously Clea Duvall, guest star supreme of <laughs> Out of Mind, Out of Sight, uh, lesbian superstar icon. <laughs> <laughs> um, She's a genius. She's amazing. We love her. Uh, I feel like I've seen her the most on Veep. Like she, she played yes. her a long time on Veep uh, as Selena's daughter's girlfriend and wife. Um, and like she's so, she's just like a, she's funniest comedic timing. She's so good. Uh, and then more recently, like we, I don't remember if this was on the episode or prior to the episode, but she created Happiest Season with uh, Mary Holland, who is another genius. We gotta like retroactively get Mary Holland on Buffy. Time machine, get Mary Holland on amazing. Buffy. <laughs> I know that she's a big fan of like Survivor and mm-hmm. uh, what was I gonna say? Lord of the Rings. So I feel like that means that she must like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Sidebar: Have you tried to get Mary Holland on Bitter Jurors? I've DM'd her, um, <laughs> and I all I, she's been on um, Mike Bloom's podcast. So and like yeah. when, when people when improvisers like that come on have his podcast, I'm always like. It is the end, and then he's like, "Yeah, it's so exciting." And then we don't talk. <laughs> is he an improviser too? Mm-hmm. He's a big comedy guy. Got mm-hmm. big in the comedy world. Like yeah, Bloom. he is. Uh, okay, so yeah, this is out of. I, I keep saying out of my. I keep saying it incorrectly, but out of mind, out of sight. Um, well, I mean, Christine, do you have any more clear Duval thoughts? I feel. I like mean, you- <laughs> like I think this is interesting. I mean, because like. Um, in my mind, I was like, oh, this must be after, but I'm a cheerleader, but I'm a cheerleader came out in 1999. This is really before, like, this is before Girl Interrupted and But I'm a Cheerleader, which were two of, like, I think most people, if they recognize Cleet of All from anything from the late 90s, it's those two. Um, so it's just, like, fun. I love But I'm a Cheerleader. I absolutely love But I'm a Cheerleader. That was, like, my touch point for Cleet of All. And then I saw I End Up Seeing Veep and everything after that. But that was always, like, girl from... Um, but I'm a cheerleader. She's also in Zodiac. I forgot about that. Oh my god! Wait, Mike, you over the break saw this is completely unrelated to <laughs> Clay Duvall, but you saw Oh Brother Where Art Thou again, and you saw Natalie French's actress as Siren. What did you think? I did. You know, she was. I'm. I'm gonna say it. I did not recognize her <laughs> visually. Uh, it was only through going through the Wikipedia page where I was like. Who played who, where? And I was like, huh, I've clicked on this name before. Uh, it was one of the the purple highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it brought me to Miss French, a queen. Yeah. She really, uh, she sirened those boys in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I'm going to say it, uh, a lesser Cohen film. I really did not <laughs> enjoy it that much. Uh, <laughs> they should go back to the roots. Okay. <laughs> good good to know I, I i i haven't seen it since it was first out at blockbuster so i i can't really wait you watched this as a kid i definitely watched it as like a young boy when my mom was trying to watch all of like the nominated for best picture mm. movies or whatever not appropriate for children i would say i have no memory <laughs> what did you think when you saw her in oh brother where Out? well i remember that movie being incredible wow <laughs> but i don't remember anything about it i don't think she had any lines I think they they're wandering through the back country somewhere. They hear these women singing in the river. They hook up with the women and then they move on. Sounds like a great day to me. Um I so but for Clea Duval's sake, I actually did not even realize that this was Clea Duval until we started talking about doing this podcast. Because like it just I I guess I don't think I would have like known who she was the previous time I was like watching the show. And now like coming back to it, like 
you and Gabe Bergato, who is Survivor Super Guy and will be on the show eventually, were like, oh my god, is the Clea Duval episode for you? <laughs> um, <laughs> And I was like, no, but <laughs> I didn't even know this was like uh, people knew she was on the show. And she's really not like we were talking. No, about. she's not. She's not. Uh, like, I wish that it was more like she was turning invisible or something so that she could be on the show. Get a, get a bit more uh, uh, payment out of the episode. <laughs> a couple more days on set. Yeah. Well, do you think she was there on set to sort of do the... Uh, no. No, she wasn't there. I feel she like wasn't, she... like, throwing things off screen. <laughs> I feel like she recorded all of her lines in under 12 hours, and they <laughs> just got her that way, and they recorded all of her scenes on a different day. Wow. Sorry. Clean. Famously, Clea Duvall was guest star on Broad City as the character that was very clearly yeah. based on Carrie Brownstein. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, She's I'm obsessed. Everywhere. She was on one the best season of American Horror Story as yes. Sarah Paulson's girlfriend. Yeah, the Asylum. Uh, Asylum. Season. Oh, yeah. The only season I've seen in full is Coven because I'm gay. <laughs> you got Asylum is like the only one. Asylum's like, the only good one. Good, genuinely good TV, but it's a big bummer. <laughs> Coven is good too. Uh, <laughs> what about the Coven crossover season? I never watched. That was really bad. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Um, yeah, but well, we just I, I just saw earlier when I was scrolling on her IMDb, she was in two episodes of The Newsroom. <laughs> she was on Grey's Anatomy. She was in she Argo. Was? Yeah, I'm rewatching Grey's Anatomy right now. I haven't gotten to where she's at, but I'm yeah. seeing she was on two episodes. I don't remember. Yeah. Anamorph? Was she an Anamorph? A Anamorph. <laughs> Anamorph. Uh, she's on Heroes. She was? Yeah. Oh FBI God. agent Audrey oh, Hansa. Seven episodes. Wow. Damn, she's done everything. Uh, okay, let's get into the episode. This is all about Marcy Ross, uh, who last year was so unnoticed by her peers and classmates, she turned invisible herself. Ugh, that sounds mm. awful. I would say, like, this is... I mean, I think that there are problems with this episode, but I think that mm -hmm. the conceit and like the concept of what happened is really good and like is what is what makes the show good where it's like this high school problem that becomes a supernatural problem and that is excellently done and but then there's just like little things where i'm like is this what needed to occur yeah this episode is just like i definitely remember this episode being better than it is <laughs> um because it is such a good concept and there are these really great little moments in it but i just find the pacing in this one very off and it's also just like i feel like this is something as they were doing it they were like oh wait just like get a sad invisible girl <laughs> like it isn't like the most exciting like um you know like premise when you're having to like film something because it's just like Buffy acting against nothing <laughs> like it definitely adds like I think it could have been better executed but also just in general like this was always going to be kind of a hard thing to execute the thing with the gas room too like that is so poorly done like it's not gas is not exciting cinematically we're not like I, and then i was thinking like well it's an invisible killer and she is too i don't think that's really what they were going for but like i that, it was so boring and then also that whole get the whole gas subplot is like xander willow and giles just having to be off screen for like three acts of the show like they and they, i think they just couldn't come up with anything for them to do like <laughs> they just like had to shove them in a room and have them almost die and then angel randomly finds them too like that was kind of nowhere for me i yeah. do yeah the 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 part where she's about to disfigure cordelia i was like okay yeah now the stakes are like feel like i don't know that was like i forgot how hardcore that was but the rest of the episode it just is it's very like ghost adventures <laughs> like running around like things getting thrown it's just for me it just doesn't work but then that moment that moment where you're like oh shit like she's gonna fucking like destroy cordelia's face and buffy's fighting her then i was like yes this whole episode should have been like this yeah i completely agree the best part of this episode in general though is that cordelia is like on screen so much constantly the, she I could not believe throughout season one how little they were using Cordelia. Like I, I had no memory of it. But this episode, they're fine. Is finally her like she does have layers, and like they're putting her in there, and like it's it's so I'm so glad that they're finally using her. Previously, she's just been like there to be like, fuck you, and then leave. Uh, if we even saw her at all, and now we're we're like Buffy and her are like actually talking again, which is like something that happened in the first five minutes of the show, and then hasn't until now. It was great. 
I was so glad to see our girl Cordelia on screen again. I did get a little uh, spoiler on Cordelia mm. from one of my uh, quote unquote friends. One, from one of my quote unquote friends. Um, so I at least know we're stuck with Cordelia for a while now. <laughs> but yeah, so, so... As long as she's on screen and doing things like this, where we learn more about her background and what she's thinking and Maybe she wants to change her personality and her character and join the group. I'm into it. But if she just so, wants yeah. to have little quips, that's fine too. Yeah, she was working her way into my heart before <laughs> all of this. And so this is really just a cherry on top. Yeah, Mike, what was your journey with Cordelia like? Were Because I know it's some people like are, are, are immediately like, I'm uninterested in this woman. And on a rewatch, you're like, yes, queen. Like, yeah, I, I'm i loving her. I mean, I feel like she's the type of character I am drawn to in these types of, like, teen high school shows. Um, like, the popular girl who has uh, a different backstory than you might believe. Um, I like her. And I, like Sam was saying, I, I feel like I've heard so much about Cordelia from you before we started doing this that... I was surprised that she's just not really there at all in season one. Yeah. yeah I, I was going to say, I feel like you were primed to like her since I'm watching it with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at her right now yeah. in your water bottle. <laughs> like, like we constantly talk about. <laughs> she's one of my stickers. <laughs> she, no, the Cordelia, like this episode reminded me a lot of like, because um, it's been a hot sex since I've like rewatched the show. Um this episode reminded me of like why I love Cordelia so much as a character in that this is like such a familiar like touchstone archetype of this era of like teen television of like that popular girl uh, like in the through the 90s and into the 2000s like this is some you saw this character on like every TV show um, but they managed to like strike this balance of her where she's like yes she has layers but like it's not like oh she's the mean popular girl who's just like secretly like really sad or like secretly deep it's like those she, she's allowed to have those two things like she's allowed to be like it's not like when we learn like this episode i thought was really great they do this a little more subtly than just being like she's deep it's like oh she actually cares about english class and has this like nice relationship with her teacher like they don't like you know it's just something that's introduced about her where it's like oh i wouldn't have thought that but that's allowed to exist alongside her being like very vain and like um, you know, posturing uh, her popularity and like treating people poorly. Like allowed, like I like that she's allowed to like be those two things rather yeah, than just I, being like, just kidding, she's actually nice. Or, I do yeah. love the touch of her like having done the reading for class and like wanting to go to office hours with her teacher and stuff. I think what really helps Cordelia in this episode is that they keep touching on Buffy being jealous and like wanting to be like Cordelia, but like not being allowed to basically. Uh, and just like how she used to be the May Queen in her old school, and like how like when she's watching Cordelia uh, put it, like try on the dress, like she's it's like clear that like Buffy wants to w like wishes she could be just like a normal girl and wishes she could just be Cordelia kind of even though she doesn't want to emulate all of Cordelia's like faults, she's still like remembering how she used to be be popular and at the same time they keep touching on in this episode how xander and willow are way closer and have so much more history than either of them do with buffy and so like she doesn't even really have like a close a, the closest friend or whatever like she's she's all alone and cordelia has all this stuff that she wishes she could have well she has giles <laughs> yeah she does get to hang out with this like uh you know being polite maybe 38 year old man <laughs> be very polite <laughs> better than the 200 year old man she also gets to hang out with yeah. yeah that i mean the return of angel and him pining over the 16 year old not loving that yeah at least they didn't have to be in a scene together in this episode i know but i feel mm -hmm. like we're gearing up for that in the finale perhaps. Yeah. no mike not at all They're, not at all You're she has to return that jacket sometime <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll be a real do you, do you think eventually that like as a big symbolic moment she'll return the jacket i hope when she does she at least dry cleaned it because it's had a lot of blood on it i mean it, the first scene that jacket was in he took it off and he had like the, all those bloody scratches on his arm he did give like, it to her with his here you blood go <laughs> but this is also the first time we've seen david boreanaz since angel if i'm not mistaken he was looking really bulked up and older than 
he has all season. It's been four weeks, five weeks. So he was like, well, I know I'm coming back. I got to look hot. Yeah, I feel like he looked so skinny in yeah, the first did. few episodes that he was in. And then they're like, we actually need Angel to look more like an adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we've just... decided we're going to make you 200 years old. So bulk up. <laughs> I just realized this is only the second episode that Harmony appears in. I, from my memory, she was in more episodes in season one, but she's only in The Harvest and then this one. Who is Har- Harmony? Harmony is Cordelia's blonde friend. Oh, with the uh, green, green thing in her, thing her hair. hair yeah. And she gets yanked down the stairs. <laughs> <Yeah>. Very gently. <laughs> A very gentle roll down the stairs. I did really love, like, I don't know how Harmony did this, but I loved the, like, touch of, like, Cordelia is wearing this like blue dress thing to school and Harmony's wearing like the exact same color <laughs> uh, except for the like green thing in her hair. Uh, I, maybe Harmony has like, I don't know, maybe she was like in in a tree near Cordelia's house <laughs> and they talked about what they were going to wear that day. But I just like the touch because it's all about people. Uh, uh, Cordelia's monologue where she's talking about everybody being so busy agreeing with her that they don't hear a word she says and like that kind of thing. So like it's just, uh, they don't even talk about the dress and like how they look the same, but it's like so... They're just really thinking on that mm. level where they're like, Harmony just wants to, wants wants Cordelia to know that she's like completely in agreement with her. Absolutely. And me too. I would dress the same as Cordelia. <laughs> who could, who could blame her? High. Yeah. <laughs> she's got great fashion sense. Mm-hmm. I This episode, I just noticed on the wiki, uh, it's, I think this might be the first episode where nobody dies. Not a single person died in this episode. Whoa. And the principal made a comment about that. Like, right after What's-His-Name got beat up with the bat, mm-hmm. people were like, mm. oh, someone dead, someone dead. And he's like, no, no one's dead What are this you, week. Or like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're, what are you, ghouls, I think he said? Yeah, he said ghouls. <laughs> he's great. He's so, he's kind of he's so fantastic. Yeah. We love Prince of Snyder. Snyder, Snyder, yeah. Uh, sorry, I, what's his name? Who did die? The pr- the first principal, mm, principal, principal Flutie. Flutie. <laughs> yeah, he's already left our hearts and our minds. <laughs> out of out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. I did, even though I wish I this look. I I did, I'm not. It's gonna be tough to have these kinds of conversations, but like I'm recognizing that in a in the best case scenario, Drows would be like, "Hey, dude, stop pining after Buffy. She's like a sixteen year old." I did like Angel and Giles like talking, like we'd never seen them meet before, uh, and that was interesting. And like, it's just a, I, I, I'm glad they're like mixing the groups around. And like uh, before, we would only ever see like Cordelia and Xander be like, "We hate each other," but now we're finally seeing Cordelia like talk to Giles and like. Getting getting everybody in the mix. Well, they realize they're at the end of the season, and some interactions have not happened yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe that I was one we of the notes speed this up. He was the story. He was like, the story is all these people need to talk to each other. Yeah, go, Mike. What what is your read on the Codex plotline from this episode? <laughs> Did were you really picking up on it? Was in, it... <laughs> it was in one ear and out the other to me. Um, I, Angel showed up. And he was like the master, the the king of the vampires. I guess is is he always been the king of the vampires? I think he's just the leader of this sect of vampires. Okay, he's doing something, and that's all I got from Angel's appearance. Yeah, and then he saved them from the gas leak. <laughs> yeah, it's very. It was. It's very. This is. This was my major problem with the episode. Like, Angel appears, and he and Giles randomly are talking about prophecies. And then Giles is like, well, this has been lost since the 13th century or whatever. And then Angel's like, I could get it. And then he does off screen. <laughs> like we never see it. And then by the time he shows up to save them from the gas lake, which he found them underground somehow, he has this book and he gives it to Giles. Yeah. I feel like the writers have not really figured out how to merge two different stories in one episode yet. Because... Yeah. I mean, I did not love the Invisible Girl plot generally, but it did eat up a lot of time and it felt cohesive enough with what all the characters were doing. And then adding in Angel's little subplot with the vampires didn't really fit with what was going on. I don't know. I feel like other shows do it better where they can intermingle these two stories to 
have thematic weight or yeah, like whatever. where Marcy would be connected to the vampires and like she or like she would have the codex somehow yeah. or like that kind of thing. Or like maybe she had just gotten it or who knows. But like it's it I feel like it's very similar to like the hook guy in the Praying Mantis episode where like they were very like completely oh yeah yeah not related almost at all until like we discussed on the episode. Like it was just poorly done and I do feel like th they do get way better at that as we go further. I think they also at this point don't know what to do with Angel in terms of like fitting him into these things as you guys mentioned. Like it's just like he's so like rem they can't integrate him into the Scoobies because he's not a high schooler. Um, you know, he can't be out in daylight. <laughs> um, so they, I think they just like, it's like hard because we're still establishing what the show is, who these characters are. Like, you know, we're only 11 episodes in. Um, so it's understandable, you know, you, you need this time to figure out like, you know, how these characters fit into each other. But I think Angel is just like, he's a guest star. So he's not like, clearly they weren't like fully committed to having him be part of the show, but he plays such an important role. Like it feels like he should be a main character that we're checking in with more frequently, but instead it's like Angel's just gone and now he's back and we have to like find ways to work him in because he can't naturally be hanging out with the Scoobies because he's an old man who uh, can't be out during the daytime. I, yeah, I, it, I, cause I feel like in a modern show, every episode Buffy and Angel would have a scene together. Yes, where exactly. Like, like groaning and moaning about how they can't be together and then maybe they kiss and maybe they don't and like maybe they're together maybe they're not like it they would be talking so much more uh i'm fine with them not doing it this way but mm -hmm. it does it's just it feels very strange to me that like the love interest of the show is not in every episode yeah i think it's also a product of a lot of these season one episodes and, and maybe this will be true for the rest of the series having not seen it but at least half of them have not really been connected to vampire lore or fighting vampires at all. So it's kind of hard to bring Angel into these like other supernatural plots. Like I don't, has he been in other non-vampire episodes? I can't think of any, like I feel like all he's done is, I feel like we've only seen him in the first two episodes. Um, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, which was a vampire yeah. episode his episode of the vampire episode and now here and yeah it's like it's i feel like this this season has a very strong percentage of monster of the week episodes and like we're saying they have a very tough time of figuring out how to have a monster of the week episode and contribute to the overall plot line in this season uh and i i, I agree like i feel like we haven't seen him very frequently and they don't know how to bring him in it it does it, it it's I don't know, it's the weakness of season one. Yeah, and it also makes me wonder why they went the whole, like, vampire slayer route for Buffy. Like, because it seems like she's fighting more, she's she's fighting more than just vampires. Like, she's barely fighting vampires in season one. So it just doesn't really make sense. If I was a, a producer or someone at the network, I would, I would give them notes, like, where are the vampires? I, I Look, I do agree, but every episode does start with them saying that the vampire slayer go, uh, hunts the, the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness. So it's all it's all encompassing. She should have a catch-all. Like, this, this girl, she's at her job as a vampire slayer, and her boss is giving her more work than is in the job description. Like, and she she's being asked to do three people's jobs for the same pay as vampire slayer and that's my my take on feminism in the workplace buffy needs a union <laughs> yes truly yes this but it's just tough because she's the only one so she'd be unionizing yeah. with herself I, I we've heard of other slayers in the past there's only one we, at a time but we don't know i don't think we know definitively or at least i don't that there aren't slayers in other locations around the world I think you do know that. I think that you know that she is the Slayer. And they're all just hanging out at Sunnydale? On the Hellmouth. There's no vampires or other supernatural beings anywhere else in the world. There are other vampires out in the other parts of the world. And we have seen that there are other like demon hunters like Sid the Dummy. And like oh. there are people out there who also hunt demons. And she is one of these supernatural things in the world. The Slayer who is supposed to also hunt demons so she could unionize with all of the other True. hunters yeah yes. they don't it, it doesn't need to be slayers only in the union mixed coalition that's my take 
I love that. I'm glad we worked that out. I'm glad if we only Sid were still alive, then she could unite uh, with him. Mm-hmm. What about Miss Calendar? Miss Ayat, Miss Calendar, uh, helpful. Too bad she hasn't we... been in an episode since I robot you, Jane. <laughs> I feel like she would have some good advice. Yeah. I think she'd be like, hey, don't bang this 200 year old guy. I'm barely wanting to bang this 38 year old guy. <laughs> Uh yeah, I love but le- I yeah love Cordelia in this episode. Um, just oh I, I did also see the the flashbacks in this episode were very strange. It was like giving they, Survivor. <laughs> it sort of came out of nowhere at times. Um, even though they, and then it was like Marcy's in this scene. We just didn't see her before we got the flashback. I guess. Uh, she was invisible. Yeah. That I saw on the wiki that this is the only time in the entire Buffy verse that they use this sepia tone flashback thing. Whoa, I guess it didn't land. <laughs> yeah, they didn't love this, didn't love the writing on the episode either. Uh, Mike and I were making comparisons when Buffy was going up into the crawl space where Marcy lived, uh, to authority from the Southern Reach trilogy. Uh, which is what Annihilation is based on. Uh, there's a very creepy scene in the second book, like that. The best book of the trilogy. Best book of the trilogy. By far. And I think you could read it on its own. Yeah, but I don't know why you wouldn't just read it. <laughs> Annihilation is very short, so I would say you could read it quickly and then get into the meat of the text. Yeah, I guess that's true. And Annihilation is very good, too. Uh Christine, any other thoughts on the episode? I, it's so strange. Like, I feel like the gas thing really limited how much there is to talk about in this episode. Like, they the, uh, half of the main, well, over half of the main cast were just off screen struggling to breathe for like twenty minutes of the episode. <laughs> is that not good television? <laughs> um, I just wanted to draw attention to. I, I'm obsessed with the Cordelia's May Queen posters, just like the big impact font. <laughs> um, if you didn't take a look at that, you know, go back to the scene, take a look at that graphic design. Um, I, do, I would like to talk about the ending. This is like the funniest oh ending God. to any episode of Buffy. <laughs> yeah. It makes me laugh so hard every time. Because it's like, just first of all, the FBI is just like very rarely, like, po- like police, like they just very rarely make appearances on Buffy. Like it, that's just like, whenever it happens, it's very bizarre. Because <laughs> it's like, you guys don't have anything to do here. Like this 16 year old girl, she's got it. Um, but um. The, just so the presence of the FBI is very funny. It's like very X Files. Um, this ending is so X Files of like you know she's still out there and now she's learning to become an assassin. Um, and just the fact that there's like an assassination textbook um, <laughs> is very 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 funny. Um, I don't have any more thoughts on it other than it's like extremely funny. I love the ending of this episode. It is very X Files. Uh, hey, maybe that's the next show we'll watch. Oh, uh, please! Never, another one I've never seen, and I and a show I've only seen like the first six seasons of. So once we got past Endless. that, we would, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, okay, fun fact for that scene when she opens up the textbook, it says like assassination and infiltration as the chapter title, but then the text of the chapter is the lyrics that "Happiness is a warm gun" by the Beatles. <laughs> wow really uh putting a joke in text there (laughs) um that's funny my prediction is we're never gonna hear about this again (laughs) we will never see we'll definitely never see clee duvall on buffy on screen who uh, knows and we'll never we'll never see it an invisible assassin i I mean we'll we'll have to keep a look that's my prediction Mm -hmm. and people can come back to this episode if they want to read me for it later (laughs) i'm clipping out this audio (laughs) as we speak um yeah strong cordelia episode middling overall episode uh but still fun yeah Yeah. i had a good time above average definitely better than last week uh which as discussed was the third highest rated episode of the season on imdb uh even though it's probably second from the bottom for me overall (laughs) that we've talked about yeah i would say this one was very in the middle for season one like definitely better than some of those early episodes but a few a few times they really were clicking this season it's no puppet show no (laughs) it's no puppet show she could never be her 
And it's no iRobot Eugene. Never. As the, as Never. The, other, as the writers also created for us. They flew too close to the sun on the first time. No, like, they, yeah, they can never write a better line than there's a demon in the internet. Like, <laughs> you cannot top that. Or who uh, says that's where I dangle it? As Jenny Callender once said. <laughs> or what was it? I, I'm plugged in. Or I'm, I'm jacked I'm in. I'm jacked in. Just incredible monologues from these two writers. I'm so like they had more in them. They should have they should have come back. Yeah, what did they do did, after yeah, they... Let's see. Fast Track, Xena Warrior Princess, uh, Family Law, The Mentalist. Ooh, they wrote two episodes of Person of Interest, which is a show I haven't really seen, but Amy Acker is an icon on. An incredible actress. Um and designated survivor look i but like what happened right after buffy like why didn't they come right back they wrote on they wrote one episode of xena warrior princess which i've only seen the pilot of never yeah, really same. engaged um even though carla carla from survivor sort of had a similar thing with buffy at, uh with xena where she met her uh now wife at a xena warrior princess convention yeah it's just like when you met charisma carpenter exactly <laughs> you're now wife <laughs> and now we're wives i am i'm watching how to get away i'm showing my girlfriend how to get away with murder and then our next show will be buffy because i was Whoa. like how to get away with murder is much shorter um and then we will be moving on to buffy she is frightened of everything so i do like have genuine concerns that it this the first season of buffy might be scary for her i mean i <laughs> but, guess i don't um, know we'll how see. scared she is but she's no she's very scared I feel like How to Get Away with Murder is scarier than Buffy. Yeah. It was the very criminal funny. The system is scary. It was very funny. We watched the first episode, and then, like, the second episode, there's, like, a bloody crime scene, and she, like, gasped. I was like, what did you think we were going to be seeing on a show called How to Get Away with Murder? Like, she, like, gasped when she saw a dead body. I was like, girl, murder, death. <laughs> she loves it now, <laughs> but uh, it took a second. I've fallen off in my How to Get Away with Murder watching partway through season yes, same. three. It's, but it is, I mean, the writing on that show is just divine. <laughs> you'll, you'll be back to it eventually. I think I will. Oh, they always come crawling away. back. <laughs> you haven't even made it to the Scandal crossover. Oh, I didn't even know oh that existed. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it, it Olivia Pope, she shows up. The issue for me is that I've never seen Scandal. I so will, also had, will I still be able to it? Do doesn't it doesn't hit. I haven't seen Scandal. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, There's this woman seems cool. I don't understand what's happening here. Maybe that'll be what it's like for you with the eventual Angel crossover, where you're like, I don't know who any of these people are. Maybe. The several Angel crossovers. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think I, I, I don't think there's anything. It's it, from what it sounds like. I don't think you're really missing anything by not watching Angel. On I don't know. No. My my friend said Cordelia never looks good in Angel. Yes, they said that Cordelia has a bunch of good outfits on Buffy, and then she doesn't look good on Angel. Okay. But I don't really remember being the case. No, that's not the case. Her outfits are less camp. <laughs> and like they certainly don't always work. Like I do remember her wearing some ugly garments on Angel, but like her hair she gets some good hair on angel um okay i know she's incredible i would say i do love angel i would say it's absolutely worth it to see more of our girl um 100%. because she is a great on that show i um, hope she doesn't cross over to angel until after season seven we got to get mm. seven seasons of buffy and then five seasons of angel <laughs> That would be beautiful. My pitch for our angel coverage is that when we get there, we do that on a Patreon. So people have to pay. Wow. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like being paid. Yeah, me too. I've never been paid. Uh, what was I gonna? Oh, last thing. Loved Cordelia's acceptance speech for May Queen. She was like, uh, "Being popular is my right." That's <laughs> <laughs> my right. Uh, she's what an icon. I hope she's in the finale. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, okay, if that's all of our thoughts on the episode, we can move into our segments of the show. Mm -hmm. uh, starting off with biggest slay. Christine, what was the moment of the episode that made you say slay? That part at the right at the end when she's like, when Buffy is like fighting uh, Marcy and she's like, I need to use all my senses. Mm -hmm. And the way the camera like turns and like that shot, I did think was really great. Um, the that fan was, like, like blowing a... her hair. Yes, looked, I was it, like, it did look really good. I was like filmmaking. So yes, I would say that was the biggest lady episode for me. That was directing. That was our, that was, this it was, was a single episode for Reza Badi slaying. <laughs> Mike, uh, what was the moment of the episode that made you say slay? I think we've touched on it. 
throughout the episode, but Cordelia's monologue to Buffy about uh, some just because she has people around her all the time doesn't mean she doesn't feel lonely and talking about how nobody really listens to her and just wants to agree with her. It was just great to get some insight into what's going on in Cordelia's yeah. mind. And I think it makes her deeper as a character. I completely agree. I mean, when Buffy's like, if you feel so alone, why do you work so hard at being popular? And Cordelia is like, well, it beats being alone all by yourself. And mm. Buffy's been alone all by herself all episode. Wow. Uh, really hits. And I mean, cosign on that. I, I feel like every time I talk about Biggest Slay, it's always just like whatever shady thing Cordelia said in this episode. <laughs> and this episode's no different. Um, I loved when Cordelia was passing out pins for her campaign and she got it over <laughs> to Buffy. And she was, she was like, she pulled one out and she was like, oh, actually, I don't think I'll need the loser fringe vote. And she like put it away and left. <laughs> And she didn't. Yeah, she she's the one. No, Charisma Carpenter is such an underrated television actress. I think she's. I mean, the bulk of her work was on Buffy and Angel. She's on Veronica Mars as well. Uh, but she is just so funny. She's incredible, and I I do feel like I mean, in my little head canon, Buffy still voted for her. <laughs> I think that Buffy's in love with Cordelia, uh, and you know, this episode made me. I feel like there was a lot of evidence in this episode for um, what's the oh, I I, I can't really say the ship name out loud. Cuffy or Bordelia, <laughs> not really good. Uh, Buffy x Cordelia is alive and well in season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Christine, moving on. Fashion moment. What was the fashion spotlight of the episode for you? Um, Buffy is investigating the Invisible Girl business. She has like knee-high brown boots, like uh, I think a pinkish like skirt with like a pattern on it, and a white top. That was the outfit that I was like, okay. <laughs> and it was a Buffy wears print. like you cherries okay whenever she wears like big brown boots i'm like okay that's a moment that's a choice i feel like i loved all the pieces of this outfit individually but i did for me personally they did not come together and even less so when she had the jacket on over it and it was like a like a i can't even describe what it was the, the jacket. jacket was bad but like it's so Somebody's i like jacket collection Mike, this is something you're going to want to track throughout the show. <laughs> like, note every jacket she wears. She owns, for a girl who lives in Southern California, she owns so many insane jackets. Well, sometimes she gets cold out there with no friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, it wasn't for me, but I'm happy you guys are happy with it. What was uh, your favorite then? Me, I really loved Buffy's like blue look where she she had like the blue top and she had something on it. She had she had like sunglasses on. She had like a thing around her neck. Mm-hmm. She, like, that it was, was like cute. The next, it was like the next day she was wearing something like very like very. It looked very coordinated. Like Mike was making a joke that like you were like maybe this is an episode Sarah Michelle Gellar put a, put together for herself with the like white top <laughs> very thing brown boots thing. And then I felt like this was more like the fashion the costume department might have. Coordinated a little bit uh, to slay on the next one. See, but I would, the blue outfit. Sorry, Christine. But. No, I would just say I would love to be a fly on the wall for like in the costume department on this show because some of the choices they make are absolutely baffling. I know. This is why I needed every episode for us to discuss fashion because I just knew there would always be something to touch on. Like, because even in this, like, Willow wears like this scooby-doo t-shirt underneath <laughs> this like trans pride flag jacket and, like before that was even like part of popular culture uh and, and xander's wearing at the end of the episode oh. xander is wearing a t-shirt that's like 50 cent pinup poster or something like i don't even remember peep show. peep show it's like who is putting this together that's from the it- joss whedon collection it feels yeah. like they have like a dart board and they just like throw darts <laughs> and it's like okay like, hey, willow scooby-doo trans flag like <laughs> fluffy hat <laughs> and then That's i it. like and we didn't even I, I can't even remember anything cordelia wore in this episode which is very strange i feel like we're normally talking about how fashionable she looks but like there's there's just always something to talk about on this show with <laughs> characters outfits michael is your fashion moment of the episode well i really liked what's her name carol who is the the sidekick 
who's Cordelia's sidekick? Oh, Harmony. Harmony. <laughs> Harmony. <laughs> we cut again. We touched on it earlier, but Carol by in the scene where she gets thrown down the stairs, she had this like green mm. ribbon in her hair tying up her ponytail, which I really liked. I thought that mm. really popped off screen. And then just generally, maybe this is a trend in the late 90s, but I feel like in every episode, there's somebody wearing a white t-shirt with like a little print right on the center of it. Mm -hmm. Like there was a rubber ducky that Willow. Willow wore. Buffy's definitely worn a few of these. And those always stand out to me. I think those are fun. And if I was in the in high school in the late 90s, I would have a a white t-shirt with a little print on it oh i mean also in the last scene buffy is wearing a black t-shirt with this like race car oh, emblazoned yeah. on it <laughs> why not why not well, it's like sometimes like costume departments are like thinking about the character's internal lives and like making they're like okay let's make a point with like what the, who this character is and like what they're wearing and then sometimes they're just putting a black t-shirt with a race car like it looked like they made it like it looked, <laughs> it looked so it looked like they just like steamed it on like a couple of seconds before the camera started rolling very Mugler of them <laughs> we went to see the Mugler exhibit at the uh. Brooklyn Museum yesterday and he had a moment with race cars oh yeah I sent you that picture of the car a car the car oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's in a crossover yeah. reference. <laughs> I'm looking at your tattoo right now. Um, <laughs> Mike, you still you haven't seen Utena, but I'm I'm sure you'll never will. <laughs> um, Very fair. Yeah. Oh, just one more. Like, well, you were talking about Harmony, and she that's the outfit she was wearing, the same blue as Cordelia. I did not feel that the blue dress that Cordelia was wearing was very flattering on her. That's my last fashion thought of the episode. Mm. <laughs> I thought there was one scene where it might have been when they were going, in, Buffy and Cordelia were going into the closet to change. Contextual going into the closet. Wow. Queer. Yeah. Queer. Queer reading. That's queer. I feel like whatever Cordelia was wearing in that scene, she looked great, but I don't remember what it was. But I was just like, She's snatched right now. <laughs> Whatever it was, let us know. Yeah. Let us know in the comments. Rate and review. I'll have to find it for the <laughs> screenshot. Um, okay, moving on. Xander slander of the episode. This will, I mean, Xander was off screen for a lot of it. So, you know, it, we have less to go off of. But I feel like there was still a lot of bad Xander stuff in this episode. Christine, did you have a least favorite Xander moment of the episode? Honestly, like... This was like I am. I fucking hate that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, say but, it louder. <laughs> this is like not. This was not like an egregious Sander episode for me. I mostly mm. was able to like tune him out. Um, and he did like do some useful research for once. Um, it seemed like so. Like True. I'm like willing to be. Uh, there was no, nothing like egregious. I was just kind of like whatever. <laughs> I feel like in most episodes he says some pretty horrendous things about Cordelia and it's always bad, but I feel like especially in this episode where we're getting Cordelia's three dimensionality and like seeing her more as a person rather than an archetype, like it's mm -hmm. particularly bad in this episode because we're like sympathizing with her more than ever. And he's still just like, we hate this girl. Fuck that. That kind of thing. Um, so no like specific moment, I guess that I'm thinking of, but more just like, dude, Get with the program. Buffy's in love with Cordelia. True. Mm -hmm. I will say my Xander slander does have an asterisk next to it because Willow is included in it. Mm. Um, oh, they yeah. both contributed mm. to making this girl invisible. They said, mm. have a good summer in her yearbook. And that Let's was just blame up. it all on Xander. <laughs> right. Because Willow did say have a great summer. True. Mm -hmm. She was different. Yeah. But she cared. you would think these two losers would want to band together with the other losers yeah. in the school um they need friends agreed and actually bringing up willow reminded me of a, another bad moment like throughout the episode they're just like constantly being so clear to buffy that they're not as close with her as they are with each yeah. other they're like yeah. constantly referencing stuff that buffy has no point of view on or like wasn't there for her from sixth grade and they're like we were so we were best friends for so long and then they're like walking away from her at one point in the episode and xander's like do you want to come over for dinner later it's like why not invite buffy also what's going on i don't know maybe his parents wouldn't like buffy i guess not um, moving on, Gold Star Scooby, Christine, who is your favorite character of the episode? Cordelia. I mean, because this is like, like, this is for me, like the first breakout episode for Cordelia. 
um, of the show. And this is what I always remembered. I was like, oh, this is the first like kind of more Cordelia centric episode we get after her kind of being this, it's hard to tell, um, you know, is, is she, you know, are they going to make an effort to integrate her more into the story? Is she always just going to be this kind of peripheral kind of semi-antagonistic presence? Um, so I do have to give it to Cordelia because even though this, if she's not driving the action of the episode, it's very much an episode of like things happening to her and around her. Um, I just love Cordelia. Cordelia is one of my favorite characters um, in the Buffyverse. Uh, so I'll have to give it to her for her first uh, uh, breakout episode. Mike? Yeah. She can do nothing wrong ever on screen. <laughs> Cordelia was great. Um, even when she's telling the story about her trauma from running someone over with her car, mm. um, which we didn't touch on until just now. She was great. Um, we need more Cordelia. That's my that's my missive. I agree. It's a clean sweep. Cordelia, my favorite character of the episode, as she usually is. Uh, just what an icon. I feel like she she was so necessary for this episode to work. Uh, I feel like nobody can just like sit in a chair and scream for like five minutes and <laughs> still have it be captivating. But I feel like she was really giving in that moment. Uh, Christy mentioned it earlier, but like when she's so terrified, her face is going to get cut up. She's so good in that in that time. And like we were talking about, like I love the detail that she is really good at school and that mm -hmm. she had this close relationship with her teacher. And even like it, like the joke is that she's like has this misread on the Shakespeare play, but like it's so clear that she like is actively thinking about the characters and has this different take on it and like has done the work and like has read it. So like, I think that's so, I think it's cause usually it'd be like, she's an idiot and doesn't actually, hasn't read it and like, is just like going whatever. But like, if they're like, no, like this is her perspective on this character and it's like different, but it's not like bad. And the teacher is like very willing to like let that flourish. Um, and I'm glad that the teacher didn't die. I'm glad yeah. Cordelia was able to save her life. I was going to say, mm -hmm. last night when we were watching the episode, it was like, this teacher, and we've commented on this a few times in the pod, like, this show, very white, very few it's, people of color on screen, and then we get this it's teacher, pretty bad. <laughs> I, I don't think we've seen a person of color in five or six episodes, probably, and they almost kill this teacher off, like, in her second scene, and it was very jarring to me to see that yeah. choice being made, and I'm glad she didn't die. I completely agree. Cordelia saved her ass. True. Yeah, um, I and Cordelia apologized at the, at the end of the episode. Yeah, Cord yeah. and then yeah, when we're sort of like Cordelia, Cordelia's boyfriend and Harmony come up and they're like, "You're not really hanging out with these losers, right?" For like a second, you think that Cordelia is gonna be like, "Actually, I am," but then Cordelia is like, "No, I'm being charitable. Like, I would never <laughs> talk to them." Yeah, I was just gonna say when starting the episode, I couldn't remember if the teacher survived. I when Dang. I was expecting the teacher to not survive because usually like at least one person dies or is like seriously injured and like okay, this one-off teacher, and I was like, Oof. but then she does survive. Like so that was a pleasant surprise because I absolutely thought she didn't. Um and yeah, good for them for I'm sure we'll see this teacher again, this black woman on the show. I'm sure she will be, we will be seeing her often and won't just forget about her immediately. <laughs> I mean, they are all filling the out, people. they're filling out the teacher staff. I mean, Miss Calendar's <laughs> still around, supposedly. We've got what, who, what was this teacher's name? I don't remember this teacher's name, but they have used the same history teacher more than once. Oh, Christine left. <laughs> no. I hope she'll be back. Um, yeah, I hope, uh, Oh, here's Oops, Christine. Christine's back. <laughs> I accidentally X'd out. It was like I accidentally touched. I was trying to move over to my tab where I had the Wikipedia page open for this episode. And then mm. it just... Anyway, sorry. That's fine. <laughs> Welcome home. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it's, I, I wish... This is like what we were talking about at the top of the episode. Like, this is a serious problem with the show. Um, it's bad yeah. that there's not more people of color on the show. Agreed. Does Angel get better? Are there people of color on Angel? There is. Mm -hmm. There is actually a lead who is a black man on Angel. Okay, but that's a that is that's it. About it. <laughs> that is it, though. Is it, are there any other main characters of color on Buffy? No one who ever gets in the theme song. No, there are yet. a couple yeah. like supporting characters, yeah. multi multi arc named Ooh. characters who play a role in the narrative. Um, but uh, none that get put in the credits now. Yeah, you know that entirely white place of Southern California? Mm-hmm. Mm. 
interesting. Yeah. Uh, bad. Uh, anyway, Christine, any final thoughts on the episode? Um, yeah, I would say it's it's a perfectly fine episode. I, I definitely remembered it being better um, than it was. But, like, you know, for the first season, which... Oh, you're seeing the picture I sent you guys, the the picture of me and Charisma Carpenter in 2017, me with long hair. <laughs> I've um, never seen you with long hair. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my lore. I did have long hair until 2019. And then, this is so beautiful. Yeah. She was really nice. She was, like, incredibly nice. Obviously, it's one of those things where you're, like, having to, like, she's having to take pictures of lots of people. But, like, she, like, made, like, a genuine effort to, like, have a conversation i was like you don't have to do that but that's very nice um anyway um so yeah it's definitely an episode where i'm like you know not as good as i remember it being i you can tell the show they're still like kind of got their little baby deer legs figuring out what the show is what the tone and the pacing is um but it's perfectly fine and i mean i think the next episode is fantastic um really excited for you guys to get to that one Whoa. because I do think it's a really great um, this that is where Buffy begins for me truly is the season one finale um so I'm very excited Mike for you to get to experience that <laughs> but for me this is just like you know what perfectly fine there are w way worse episodes of Buffy um and so yeah, yeah. I feel like this final DVD of, of Buffy of the last four episodes of the season uh are it's a it's a solid little final ramp up to like the beginning of the show like Christine's saying like I feel like the season one. I feel like every, when people are talking about Buffy and like people starting Buffy, they're like, get through season one, like blah blah blah, like that kind of idea. And like the season one finale is like so good. But now I'm as I've watched it more and more, I'm like, no, see, there are a lot of there's a lot of merit season one. There's just a few episodes where you're like, I wish this had happened later in the show so that it wasn't like the first thing someone had to see from the show. Yes. Mm. <laughs> uh, Mike, well, final. What what were you saying? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the season one finale. Uh, it seems like we're gonna get more vampires, hopefully. Could with be this, with this codex. <laughs> with the codex. Oh yeah, uh, I will tell you the finale is called Prophecy Girl. Uh, any about Cordelia? <laughs> it could be. Uh, any <laughs> predictions for the finale of the episode? Prophecy Girl. There's de they've definitely talked about a prophecy mm -hmm. um, in previous episodes, but and I, in this episode, yeah, but I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. Um. I bet Buffy is part of a prophecy. <laughs> could be. Or it could be Cordelia. It could be Clea Duvall. We don't know. So many girls. Uh, okay, prediction time. Will we see the master in the finale? I think so. Will we see the anointed one in the finale? Absolutely not. Will we see Darla in the finale? Ooh, I mean, they did show us flashbacks. Uh, but I'm going to say no Darla. In the season finale. Will we see Harmony in the finale? Yeah, definitely. Okay. She'll be there. Well, we'll find out when we talk to Derek next week. Oh, uh, fun. I didn't know Fellow Derek. Bitter Juror. Oh, yay. Um, Yeah, like Christine was saying, excellent. I mean, not, you didn't say excellent, but really good. I feel like of the Monster Solid. of the Week episodes from season one, I feel like this is a, this is a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's where I put it. Comparatively I good. It's it's nowhere near my most enjoyed episodes of Buffy this first three seasons, but for the first season, I think it's, um, you know, writing's fine. Uh, you know, just a hard acting concept to get onto the screen in in a compelling way. Is it worthy of being the penultimate episode of the season? No. No. Could it have been used to build up to the finale? Yes, <laughs> but it, they didn't. So that's yeah. where we're at. <laughs> um beautiful we don't have a five-star review to talk about on this episode sadly but if you wanted to leave one we would read it uh here anyway christine thank you so much for being here do you have anything you'd like to plug i mean yeah just follow me on twitter at xteen underscore files once this episode's up i'll tweet that picture of me and charisma carpenter that uh our boys our boyfriends uh so thoroughly enjoyed of me before i went full butch and i'll be um, sure to follow it up with that picture of you in homestuck cosplay <laughs> yes meaning well that, that the picture of me in homestuck cosplay was from the day i met james marsters who uh will be coming on buffy in season two playing a certain character um, do you have a picture with him i so i didn't pay for the picture i got an autograph from him but um mm. i did someone did like take a stealth picture of me in the homestuck outfit um like meeting him so i'll have to find it it's on my facebook somewhere <laughs> um, i'll find it and send it to you he was kind of creepy um anyway <laughs> he's famously quite creepy um 
Uh, I feel like I know him, or I like know the name, but I can't yeah. place him. Yeah, but you'll you'll be meeting him eventually. So very soon. <laughs> very right soon. Um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so follow me on Twitter at xt underscore underscore files on Instagram at the xt files. You can read my writing on Inside Survivor. Um, and then if you still have not listened to Derek and I talk about uh, Utna on the Shadow Play Gaze, just like, search Shadow Play Gaze. Um, you'll find our Twitter where we had posted lots of memes and fun things. There's a Spotify playlist with all of the um, episodes. If you just search on Spotify for Play Gaze, you'll see all the episodes, but then you also see the playlist I made of them all in order. So you don't have to jump around the bitter jurors feed. So I that's think such that's a good idea. Thing. Yeah, it's very, I mean, it's like, it seems like people like people like the playlist. So I think people use it. I mean, you just have to obviously remember to update it, but um Shadowplay Gay is one of the greatest podcasts ever created. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the work Derek and Christine put in, talking about Utena. Uh, and what an excellent show. I feel like if you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it, you know, it's not the same exact tone, but I feel like there are, there's a lot to love about Utena that you would love about Buffy. Yes, I do think some of the, the stuff, like it's some of the lore surrounding the concept of the Slayer and like the gender of it all, mm. like it's not as big brain. I mean, Utena, like, Utena came out in 97, which is when Buffy started. Wow. Um, and, or did Utena start in 90? No, I'm, my brain's not working. No, it, it's, wait, hold on. <laughs> um, but I think Utena did start in 1997. My, my brain is failing. Yes, yes. So Buffy and, and Utena did start uh, the same year. Uh, but Utena's just way bigger brained on the gender of it all. But there's definitely, in terms of like power and like roles and like, you know, the power of the Slayer and the role of the Slayer, I definitely think there's some crossover. Um, Utina is way better <laughs> in terms of the in terms of social commentary. Um, True, when, and symbolism and just and sort symbolism. of like cohesiveness. I feel yes, like. but <laughs> we digress. completely different shows. Completely different shows. Yeah, they're going for completely different things. Yeah, uh, Mike, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, go watch Utina. It sounds really good. <laughs> um, if you care about feminism, it sounds like <laughs> this would be the show for you. Um, otherwise, you can follow us at Buffy Boyfriends on Twitter. I'm still private account at Flawless Lawless on Instagram. Um, that's it, Sam. Um, you, yeah, well, follow me and Christine at Bitterders Pod, which is where you'll find the uh, Shadow Play Gaze podcast. Uh, but we're talking about Survivor, kind of taking the off season off. Uh, it seems like maybe we'll do a couple episodes here and there. I think I'm going to talk about Survivor Michigan in a couple weeks. Uh, they're doing an all-star season and you can follow me at Sam Stanish everywhere. Like you, I've gone private on Twitter. Uh, so, but you know, just send me a request and you can come on in. Uh, anyway. Yeah. That's all. That's everything for me. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here, Christine. Thank you for having me. And I will come on literally whenever, if there's ever someone who like cancels, let me know. <laughs> I have an like unfortunate encyclopedic knowledge of this episode. So I could probably come on without even having rewatched the episode. So but, that is why I had to do this. To finally <laughs> use anything that I plugged into my brain for the past 15 years like you. Uh, but yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Lovely. Bye. Slay. Bye, Excellent. Slay. Slay. <laughs>